Welcome to the Just Go Bike Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mark White, from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz. We're at RAGBRAI, and we are here live in Perry, Iowa today. What are we doing here, Mark? Hey, this is Perry Dice. Um, this is uh, one of the greatest places on earth in February during the first week because this is the Burr Ride. And we are seated right now in the Hotel Pati, staying nice and warm. It's below freezing outside. Uh, thousands of cyclists are about to partake in the 40th annual Burr Ride. I know we talked to Bob Wilson last week. Bob, Bob did a great job. Others that are involved in this ride, Mark, did you know? You know, uh, Jay Hartz, he owns the hotel here, and he's been really generous in just opening up this hotel and letting bikers and cleats and mud go everywhere. But that's part of Jay's business plan, I think, is to bring in the bike crowd, and, and uh, he loves it because it fills this place. Great. It's bike tourism at its best, and uh, Jay understands that. Well, great to see. Uh, lots of people look like they're going to have a good time. Uh, just a couple things that we're going to see on the show or hear on the show today. I did an interview uh, with Dr. John Weber from Orange City talking about the opening town for RAGBRAI. And what else? I think you had an interview, too, didn't you? Yeah, I talked to Mackenzie Elmer. We were over at the state capitol and, uh, you know, talked about some of the reporting that she's done and how it's affected uh, some of the traffic justice issues. And uh, hopefully some of those things that she talked about will will increase bike safety as we go. So it was a really great conversation. Okay, I think we're also going to have a, a new feature that we're going to have a recurring time with Scott Sumter from Bike Iowa, talking about what's coming up on the Iowa bike calendar and the Midwest bike calendar. I hope he doesn't get the beard caught in the microphone. Uh, <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know Scott, he's got this four-foot beard, and that's how you really know him. He's had it forever, and, and uh, yeah, hopefully that doesn't mess up his interview. Yeah, he's got a beard for radio, no doubt, so... <laughs> And we'll also have addition of Parrot Talk, uh, Andrea Parrot answering questions. So if you've got a question for Andrea, make sure you ask her on Parrot Talk. All right. I think, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, we're, uh, we're just uh, having a lot of fun here at the Hotel Pati at, the, at, the, at one of the bars here. He's got a couple that, uh, that are going on. So we need to go ride our bikes. Okay. Let's go have fun. All right. the Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm, I'm here with Mackenzie Elmer. She's a reporter for the Des Moines Register. Um, now, for over a year, Mackenzie's been uh, writing about stories about bicycling in Iowa, and most of them have focused around crashes in the justice system and, and how how the system cr- treats those crashes. Um, and her writing has exposed uh, a, a bit of leniency, I would say, towards uh, towards traffic crashes that involve bicyclists. This is a weird spot for me to be because as an advocate, you often write about me and and I'm (laughs) quoting your articles. Um, So this is turning the tables for us and and that's fine. It is quite strange for me to be interviewed. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, this happens a lot. I mean, there's the anytime you turn on NPR, you hear reporters that are acting as, you know, the voice and the Mm -hmm. ears of what's going on in the Mm -hmm. issue. And and I think that's where we are with Mm -hmm. this. Let me ask you the toughest, harding, hardest hitting question that we got that we ask everybody on the podcast. Do you have a favorite type of pie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's pumpkin pie. Nice. nice. What's your favorite type of pie? You know, I, I do the strawberry one, but you got to keep it cold in, in the summertime. Ooh, so it doesn't that's work as complicated. Well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mine, warm or cold, I'll eat it pretty much. So. Cool. <laughs> 
let's 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 talk about the more serious things. So, yeah. what did you discover as you looked into the bicycle crashes in, in the justice system, Nile? Yeah, I guess I'll start off with uh, my reporting began with a group of journalists and an editor sitting around a table discussing, you know, we want to look at bicycling in Iowa. It was more a part of a series, and I decided to tackle the criminal justice side. I, I guess just like many statistical conclusions in a rural state like Iowa, we're not anywhere near the top in terms of, like, the deadliest state for bicycling. Um, I think I had reported a fact back in... Uh, 2015 that we ranked 40th in terms of bicycle fatalities at one fatality per million residents. But like I said, that was a few years ago when we had three deaths and this last year we had 11. Mm -hmm. So as a journalist, it's troubling that we'd hit a record number of fatalities in a year where we wrote a lot about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We created this awareness, but at the same time you would Usually, when we create awareness, right. people start paying attention. But that's, this was you, different. Yes, you'd hope that you'd reduce the number in effect, but in reality, that's not the case. I'm not saying we somehow made more bicycle fatalities happen. I certainly hope that's not yeah. the case. But anyway, um, so the justice system. I, I discovered that, as always, the justice system, it gets complex. Um, one question I was able to answer is why drivers um, weren't getting charged with anything but a a small Mm -hmm. traffic citation. We noticed this pattern looking at a couple traffic fatalities. And so my question was, you know, is this true? And why, why is that the case? Why, when you're driving down a road, you hit a bicyclist um, and they are killed, you get a $250 fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, that that uncovered that Iowa's reckless driving law is fairly weak, and so is our distracted driving law. And so the only people who can change that are the legislators, and here we are in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's definitely energy behind that this year, which I'm sure you can attest to. Right, right, so, right. Um, yeah, so, um, but I also get the sense that uh, crashes are underreported. So mm-hmm. either cyclists who collide with cars don't call the cops to file a report or, which is the only way it gets counted by the DOT, as you know, and then, uh, or law enforcement officer may feel ill-equipped to file the proper charge in a situation, or if injuries and property damage are minor enough, which I have seen by going on scenes of crashes, the officer waves off bo- both parties, you know, mm-hmm. just, so, but that's not a, a trend I've been able to prove through data, but I just hear that anecdotally. Because, so. and this goes back to the first part that you said, it's, it's not incredibly dangerous. I mean, when bad things happen, really bad things happen, but it doesn't happen very often. So it's not unusual to have a county that hasn't had right. a bike crash or a serious bike crash in, in a decade. Right. And, and so, yeah, no, I think... And we did find, I mean, just like most states, most crashes, uh, non-fatal even, uh, occur in urban areas, mm. urban cycling. Um, though, I will say, in the trend I've seen, fatalities tend to happen on these, like, county roads. When speed. Cyc- speed. I mean, speed tends to be the big factor there. Right. And, and yeah, That's a good point, right. yeah. So. Um, so one criticism that we get from the bicyclists is that the motorists can run over bicyclists and, and there's really no justice, no consequence. And on, on the other side, we hear motorists saying, that, boy, if I hit a bicyclist, I'm automatically at fault. At least that's their, their perception. Um, are any of these concepts correct? Or... Is the traffic justice system just apathetic? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> well, we see, we see comments like that on our stories all the time that, you know, bicyclists need to follow the rules of the road, just like cars, and then crashes won't happen. 
but I, I think both parties are, quote-unquote, at fault. Um, yes, there'll be cyclists who blow through stop signs, traffic lights, forget to signal while turning, but we see the same exact thing happening, we all know, as drivers mm-hmm. and cars. Um, so what, what troubles me is somehow these, these two types of transport it seems to create some kind of divide, uh, this cultural divide, like as if bicyclists weren't also motorists, right. which is almost never the case, especially in Iowa. <laughs> and so I think what I hear from cyclists is, you know, the most important thing to remember is a, a person um, driving a car is shielded by tons of metal and plastic and safety mm-hmm. devices and a cyclist is almost as vulnerable as a pedestrian. Um, so uh, in that regard, I, I also think we're witnessing a culture shift um, that you know, no one in, no one can argue that Iowa is an inherently rural state with roads and laws often built to suit agriculture. It's like drivers are used to slowing down for a mm-hmm. tractor, but um, question is why are cyclists treated differently, especially when they're so much more vulnerable? There's no, yeah, safety measures mm-hmm. there. So um, let's talk about the Jared Fencermacher case because I think this was really interesting. Um, it was pretty quietly reported at the at the beginning. Um, this was a non-fatal crash uh, near Hinton, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's my understanding that the man was checking on a fence that a drunk driver had hit earlier in the day. And uh, so he kind of went out of his way, uh, some distracted driving. And you reported on that case really after and, and kind of when it got into the justice system. That's interesting. I know you went to the trial and uh-huh. I didn't have the luxury to do that that day. So I hadn't heard that fact. I was told and what the police report read was the driver was, his son was distracting him mm-hmm. in the backseat and he looked back. But anyway, interesting, different. There, there was a previous drunk driver that went off the road at that same spot. Oh, I see. Hit the fence at his dad's farm. Okay. His dad called him up and said, hey, can you come and check on this fence? Oh, okay. And that's the whole reason he was there. So very coincidental orbit. I see. Okay. Well, there you go. Facts. There are more facts to be learned. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So did you ask, did it give some transparency to... Yeah. You know, what what are your thoughts on how that case kind of developed and and your reporting and and did it shed some light on on what was going on there? Um. Well, you know, that, that's my job to report on an issue and bring transparency to all sides if I can. Um, I, when I learned of, of Jared's case, I mean, it was unique in that this was an instance where it wasn't an Iowan getting hit. Mm-hmm. It was someone from out of state and their parent, the parents of this man who's from Pennsylvania were really shocked at how our system worked. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a, a perfect example of someone learning about how to navigate our criminal justice system, which we've proven is uh, sort of lacking in this bicycle mm-hmm. issue. Anyway, um, I, don't, I don't know. I can't be 100% sure how the attorneys and judges came to their decisions. Um, I'm sure the public attention on, on Fenstermacher's case had an influence in some aspect. From the crashes I've studied, I've never... S- for instance, um, I'd never seen a county prosecutor ask a judge to give a driver jail time for hitting a cyclist. That was that seemed to be a paramount or a new thing. Um, typically, that doesn't happen in traffic mm-hmm. law or traffic mm-hmm. court. Um, so, and that was something that initially the family had wanted. They wanted a stronger penalty, and that's what they concluded they could do. Um, so. Anyway, the judge ultimately agreed to a few days in jail, I think it was, and though while that may seem like a small sentence for paralyzing a man for the rest of his life uh, to some, 
you know, some advocates see that as progress, uh, which I'm sure, sure, I don't know. How did you think it may have affected I mean, the conversation? It's difficult because how do you compare you know, a guy that's never going to walk again to a guy that has to spend a weekend in jail to a guy that also has to explain to the, the distraction that he had in the back seat that that happened. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's really difficult to figure out what an eye for an eye is in, in those scenarios. Um, but a, a weekend in jail is much more than we've seen. Um, it is also um, also difficult because of the, the lack of insurance and that sort of thing. So Yeah, that also, those were a couple other topics that that case brought to light where you can't qualify for victim's assistance because mm-hmm. you the charge wasn't um, high enough to mm-hmm. qualify for funding, so this man was stuck with his medical bills, which are thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so that was also interesting. But I get, yeah, when you look at, like, compare it to a case like Grace Harkin, the young woman mm-hmm. who was killed um, by another young woman driving who admitted that she was texting, mm-hmm. um, and she didn't receive jail time. She received, uh, I think, a suspension of her license mm-hmm. and some other charges, but or sentence, but yeah. Yeah, the Grace Harkin one was interesting, too, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the governor brought it up in his state, condition of the state address. Um, but also, just a couple of days before or after the Grace Harkin driver was sentenced, another young woman in Polk County was sentenced for reckless driving right. um, for a text messaging case where she just merely injured some passengers in her car. But the witnesses were able to say, you were being reckless. We warned you to be that you were being reckless. And that really changed that whole situation. So reckless driving has been a... Yeah, and and that gets down to the nitty-gritty of case law and as to why, and we both know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I don't know if I could intelligently explain off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, just further shows the disparity in the law. Mm -hmm. Uh, So So as as you're reporting, have you found a silver bullet? Is there anything? And and I think our answer is, is, from an advocacy organization, no. I mean... It's going to take an across-the-board traffic safety and, and traffic justice reform in order to make some changes. Is is that kind of where you? I mean, went? yeah, I guess. Um, you know, I, I thought you know, you tell me. Like, <laughs> all I can, all I do is report. You know, the facts, what I investigate, mm-hmm. um, facts of the case. But I'm not responsible for offering opinions. But if you ask the cycling community, I think silver bullet would just be awareness mm-hmm. and. All regards, awareness of the cyclists who will be sharing the roads with cars, regardless of what happens at the state house today or this this year. Awareness of the whole issue of bicycle safety and awareness um, in the state house from lawmakers that your voters care about this, which I think has become. It's just there's just been a lot more effort in in making lawmakers aware that this is something people want. Obviously, evidenced by the governor mentioning it in his speech, but I guess it remains to be seen whether that will produce more stringent laws against distracted drivers or requiring more lights on bicycles for enhanced visibility or funding for traffic infrastructure that keeps uh, those cyclists um, mm-hmm. safe. I yeah. wish I had a silver bullet. I don't. <laughs> well, it, it, and I think the awareness is important, and I think that's been something that you've been responsible before, for for this issue to bring these things to light. I don't think that we could have done it on our own. And so we're very appreciative that, that we've gotten some sunshine mm-hmm. on, on what's going on. Um, 
this is a little off topic, but I know the state of journalism is very important to you. Um, you, you want to make a quick plug for what people can do to continue transparency and sunshine on things? Ah, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I just think, along with education and awareness about all of these important issues for citizens, one other... Uh, one thing, especially in this climate, we all should be aware of is uh, what local journalists like the Des Moines Register do on a day-to-day basis, which is caring about the issues that you care about, um, listening to all sides of the story and trying to bring balance and transparency. And uh, I think we're often getting thrown in the term the media, and (laughs) there are many levels of media. (laughs) And I would say um, your local journalists, uh, your ones at your local newspapers, TV stations, radio stations, are really the ones... um, sort of trying to keep our ethic, you know, whole. Right. Um, and so if, if, you know, I don't want to be a shameless plug, but like buy a subscription. But I would say if you read um, a news source, um, if you're a dedicated reader to a news source and you, and you appreciate the journalism that they do, do buy a subscription because that is, um, as you know, journalism is in a dire situation right now, and uh, that is what keeps journalists working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a product also. So. Right, right, right. But thank you for... Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, Mackenzie Elmer, uh, check out our show notes. We'll have links to some of your work on there and uh, more information on on, uh, on some of the stories that you've done. So thanks for, for being on the Jesco Bike thank Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Good talking with you. All right. <laughs> So this week, we wanted to introduce a new feature to you guys. Basically, each month, we're going to be talking to Scott Sumter of Bike Iowa, looking ahead to some of the cool events going on in the cycling world, both here in Iowa and across the country. Bike Iowa is an online site that Sumter created back in 2001. It's basically become the go-to place for cycling news and events here in Iowa, but also touching on some other states in the Midwest. I met Scott last week uh, at a local brewery after work. He's a web and app developer by trade. I wanted to get some background on him, a little bit about the site, and also wanted to get into some of the events coming up in February. Tell me about yourself, your biking story. Are you from Iowa? Where are you from? Right, so um, grew up grew up in Iowa, up northern Iowa, uh, around the Belmont area. Actually graduated from uh, Cal Community, about 100 miles north here by Hampton, Iowa. Um, got some stays in Mason City. I moved down here about 86. And I went to DMAC a little bit, just farm kid. Moved up here and kind of, uh, I was a motorcycle guy back in the day. No way. And uh, old 70s Harleys. I was just into, into the old old stuff, old 60s Hondas. And okay. ended up getting a job at Principal Financial Group um, in the underwriting department. Kind of mailroom first and then worked my way into the underwriting department. And started working with this girl who in the same little area. And she mentioned this Ragbri thing. And, and this is 96, I think. Okay. 96. Okay. And uh, went to my first ragbri and life-changing event right there, Hannah, you know? and and it's and it's been a it's been a wild ride ever since. So where oh did uh, how bike Iowa get started? So so way back in the day, principal financial group days, um, eighty early late eighty something in there. There was a guy that used to work there, a maintenance guy. His name was Fred, and I cannot remember his last name, but he was a cyclist back then, kind of a casual cyclist, and he had told me about this thing called Cybrock. Central Iowa Bike Rides, Organizations, and Clubs. Oh, that's it. This is, this is before, I mean, this is like newsletter type stuff. There was no websites. There was no Gmail. There was no Facebook, no Twitter. 
and he had talked about this, and I and I hadn't really been into the scene much, and I just saw him in the hallways, and then he had taken that idea, and he made like a little HTML page one day, and it just had like one ride on it, like a Flamingo ride, it used to be an old Team Acme ride to Grimes and Granger, and, and it, it was before the trail was around. And in talking with him over the next couple of years, he had did something else, and I and I was just kind of getting into some HTML and some little bit of coding. And I was like, "Hey, what'd you ever do with that? You know, that URL back in the day?" And and he goes, "Ah, I didn't do nothing with it. You know, you can have it if you want." So so I said, "All right, let me let me take this over." And then I got I got a little page up, and I took over the URL. And Cybrox actually is still live today. You can go to really? cibroc.com today, and it still goes to Bike Iowa. So I, I put that up for a couple of over. years, yeah, and then just I grabbed Bike Iowa and the little one-page HTML, you know, with four or five events on it a year, and then it turned into 20 events, and it turned into 100 events, and then I started giving the ability for people to add events themselves, add edit, and now we, I don't know, 1,200 events a year is listed on, on the site, mostly well, Iowa. So, I mean, it's an amazing resource for cyclists in the area. It's, it's fun when folks from out of state... God, I wish we had a bike Iowa, you know, in our state. And, and the news factor of it, too. I mean, to get trail conditions and different things like that. It's just, it's a fantastic resource for cyclists within the state. Huh. So now we've made it easy. You can add events. You can you can do whatever. Awesome. You know, all the functionality is available on the phone. So it's not, we've also got two apps out there that are, I don't use them anymore. Because <laughs> the news website does it all. So so good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about some of the events. Um coming up like what what what's kind of the big things happening in february now yeah um, definitely so I, so little i looked i looked at the february calendar and kind of on and I think just in february there's just a pretty cool i just picked eight events that are just has you know a little history to them and just they're they're fun and thursday february 9th is iowa city bike library's benefit they got a Wee herman's big adventure they're showing that on the screen oh cool um just kind of a neat thing a little fundraiser for for the iowa city bicycle library which is similar to the des moines bike collective kind of that same okay kind of okay premise. cool but so, only just based out in Iowa City. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Are they affiliated at all? Or just nope, nope. Just a, just another uh, nonprofit that takes cool. in bikes, fixes them up, and they're another university town. So the bikes go out for a semester or two. Oh, sure. They come back, they revamp them, they go back out. Oh, so that's it's cool. it's kind of it's kind of cool. And here's a here's a fun one. Saturday, February 11th, there's a ragbrite team called the Ducktail Cycling Club, and they always have a fundraiser. So it's a vintage prom party. So they instruct everybody to go out to Goodwill and buy prom stuff. Prom, <laughs> and they have a they have a party at the Ducktail Lounge in Clive, and all the proceeds go to keeping the Ragbrae bus running. <laughs> so kind of kind of a cool. I mean, they got they got some great photos. And this is open to anybody. You don't this have is open to anybody, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I don't really know what the what the entry fee is or whatever, but they I think it's donation and yeah. I think it's just kind of fun to keep the Ragbrae bus going. And then Sunday the twelfth, February, Nighthawk Lounge and the Flat Tire Lounge. They have got a fat bike. Our series. It's, it's not a race. It's just a ride. Show okay. up, and they like ride between Flat Tire Lounge oh, really? and uh, Nighthawk. And that's on High Trestle, right? And that's on High Trestle. And they've got this is a third of their five series. And you go and you get your card punched. And at the end of the five series, they draw, and you get a uh, the oh, winner wins a free cruisers, right? Free, a, free, free, a free fat bike from Kyle's Bikes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they worked it out where they got the full bore fat bike. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Very cool. Um. Ames Bike Summit, the first year for the Ames Bike Summit. They've got an Ames Bicycle Coalition that's okay. putting this on. That's February the 17th. Free event. It's on Friday from noon to 5, I believe. 
And it's really just talking about safe and healthy transportation and aims, just aims specific. Oh, that's awesome. It's kind of cool, you know, yeah. with ISU being up there. The 18th is the Raccoon River Valley Trail Banquet. Okay. Uh, every year, this is their only fundraiser for the Raccoon River Valley wow. Trail. Um, they usually have a, a, a guest speaker that's really good. Uh, I want to say it's 35, 40 bucks to get in. It's not bad. Well worth it. Great meal. And so that's that, out that, West Des Moines. That trail, is it, it's funded by this and then whatever permit, people yeah. buying the permit to, to use the trail. Yep. That's the only yep, funding. that trail use permit. But this and they, and they yeah, and they get they get some other like business type sponsors. The wow. bank, I believe, is involved. But, uh, but yeah, this is the only for the Raccoon River Trail Valley Association is the nonprofit. Oh, that's awesome. Associated. It's a great way to support that trail. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's a, it's a good time. It is a good time. And it used to be held in Panora, but now it's been held in West Des Moines for the last few years, okay. so it gets a little bit more metro folks sure. there. First year for the Bondurant Winter Chowder Ride, um, February 18th as well. All the proceeds for that go to the Friends of the Chautauqua Trail. There's not really a nonprofit that's involved with that trail, but these friends kind of get together and help with maintenance okay. and, and uh, taking care of that trail. And the last one in February that I got on my list is a Sip and Swap. It's at Jasper Winery on February 23rd. It's a Thursday night. Uh, Vela Rosa, which is a, a women's cycling club in sure. town, you pretty much take some take, take your gear that you don't want, and you get a ticket, and then you get to go around and pick up somebody else's gear. So a ticket for a ticket. It's like kinda. a white elephant for yeah, cycling. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and they got wine and beer, and everybody just hangs out, and it's, they usually have somebody playing music. and. I mean, it's just cool. That's just February. I mean, that, you know, so it's a wide array of, That's really cool. of events. See, and it's still early. I mean, there's still a ton of events to post. People, some, you know, some people aren't even thinking about riding yet. But other people, I'm saying the early bird gets a worm. Get your event on the calendar sure. now because there's some Saturdays that, like in June and July, there's 20, 25 events on a on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, so it's just it's pretty hard to choose. So if someone wants to post uh, their event, how do they go about doing so? So really, go to bikeiowa.com slash event slash ad. I mean, there's, there's, there's links right on, right on the site to add event, but you got to sign up for a free profile, name, email address. We verify that. And then uh, you can add one or more events. You can do that with the news items, too. So if you're heading up for a ride, be sure to check out bikeiowa.com to get an idea of trail conditions in your area or to see what cool rides are happening this weekend. We'll catch up with Scott again next month to preview some of the interesting rides that are happening in March. This is TJ with the Just Go Bike podcast, and today we're in Orange City, Iowa. We had our first meeting, and joining me today is Dr. John Weber, one of the co-chairs, just recently named in Orange City. Yeah, we're real excited for it to for it to come. First time in forty five years. And give people a sense of what this town is made of. I mean, obviously, it's got some great Dutch traditions. So give a little snapshot of what people should be thinking of when they're thinking about Orange City. Um, Orange City, uh, as you said, is a, a very Dutch town, uh, Dutch roots. Uh, uh, most of the uh, people uh, have a Vander in front of their name. Uh, it's about five or 6,000 people in town. Uh, Northwestern College is kind of a jewel in the center of town. Very nice, progressive, uh, vibrant downtown. The other thing that's really important, as you know, when you ride on Ragbri, it's all about the food. And what are some great food delicacies that people might be able to experience when they roll in Orange City? Um, I can think of three places off the top of my head. We've got the Dutch Bakery downtown where you can get uh, lots of uh, Dutch treats, uh, Dutch letters. You can also just get uh, regular 
donuts if you want. And then we've got Wildster's Meat Market downtown, uh, which is really uh, one of a kind uh, in the state. Uh, very uh, old school, classic um, butcher shop. They've got uh, meats, uh, dried meats behind the counter. Uh, you can buy uh, cheese, you can buy some wine there, and they've got probably the best brats in Iowa. Um, and uh, I'm sure those, those will be available. Uh, and then we have uh, Blue Mountain uh, Restaurant, which is one of the more unique dining experiences that, that I've been to. The inside is uh, very unique with a lot of uh, old uh, fossils and antiques, and I think people would enjoy eating there too. One of the big questions that we've seen on some of the chat rooms and all that, people are saying, oh my gosh, how can Ragbri start in a dry community? So do you want to put that rumor or myth to, to rest, John? Uh, sure. Uh, Orange City is not a dry town. Uh, you can buy beer and wine and uh, liquor in town. Um, it is true there's not a lot of bars. There's a bar restaurant uh, downtown, uh, but uh, no, Orange City is not a dry town. And I guarantee you there'll be plenty of places to get uh, adult beverages and refreshments uh, on Ragbri. We'll make sure of that. Great. Well, thanks uh, again, Dr. John Weber, one of the co-chairs here in Orange City, just starting the ball rolling. Six months from now, they'll be hosting Ragbri 45, July 22nd. And now we come to the part of the show where you get to ask me questions about cycling, cycling culture, or whatever else you want. I'm Andrea, and this is Paratalk. Ever since we announced the Ragbri XLV route back in January, there have been a couple questions floating around the internet. But don't worry, Parrot Talk is here to help you with some answers. To save the Ragbri staff a little bit of emailing time, I'm going to answer the most common question, which is, how will I dip my tires when Orange City is so far from the Missouri? For those of you that aren't familiar with the Ragbri tire dipping ritual, it's something that was started way back in the days of yore when John Karras and Donald Call for first organizing the ride. They would dip their rear tire in the Missouri River, and their front tire in the Mississippi River. And this just sort of shows symbolically that you have ridden across the entire state of Iowa. And many riders do this today and will not even say that they've done a whole rag ride unless they've dipped both tires. So this is a really important thing, and the towns do take it seriously. Now, the exact plan is up to Orange City. Their rag bride committees have just started up, and they haven't really met too many times yet, so we don't know exactly what they're going to do. But I would ask you just to have a little faith in them, and they know the importance of this tire dipping ritual, and they're going to come through with something good for you. Now, what I can say is that in past years, say last year in Glenwood, towns will bring in a large tub of Missouri River water, and you're able to dip your tires in that. Now, I get that it's not the exact same thing as dipping your tire in the river, but it is the same water. So, you know, it is a good solution. And we are sure excited to come to towns like Glenwood and Orange City that might not otherwise get to be an overnight town. So just hold your horses, and I'm sure Orange City is going to come through with something great. Well, I hope that clears up some of your concerns. Don't forget to send me your other questions at justgobike at gmail.com. Send us a message on Facebook or Twitter at Just Go Bike, or use our brand new phone line, 515-661-4884, and leave me a message. Can't wait to hear from you. Primal is a proud sponsor of the Just Go Bike podcast. Primal is the premier clothier of bicycles' greatest adventures. Visit them at primalwear.com or specialty retailers around the world. 
So if you're looking for a great kit for RAGRAI or other events, be sure to check out Primal. They make some great, great cycling apparel. And also, longtime bike shop Bikes to You is a proud sponsor of the Just Go Bike podcast. Bikes to You specializes in bicycle sales, repair, and RAGRAI charter services. Check them out if you're looking for a great RAGRAI charter or RAGRAI in style, which is actually going to hotels. So check them out at bikestoyou.com. Okay, we've reached the end of the Just Go Bike podcast. You can find our show notes at justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on the show? Well, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Just Go Bike. Be sure to subscribe to the show, and you can do that at iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. So you don't want to miss any episodes of these future ones. We've got lots of great stuff coming up. Just a reminder, this show has been generously sponsored by just a couple of sponsors. Primal Wear, a great company out of Colorado. Bikes to You out of Grinnell, Iowa. It's a great RAGBRAI charter service as well as a great bike shop. And the Iowa City Coralville Convention and Visitor Bureau. And they just had a huge win by landing yet another World Cup cycling event that will be happening this fall. And we'll be hearing from the leadership that helped land that thing in the very near future. So, well, that's all for now. Just remember, your worst day on the bike is still better than your best day at work. Thanks again for listening. For more information, check out JustGoBike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.